I could have got all upset, but what kept coming before me is the blessings, how God blessed us. Because I remember about four years ago, a church van, also in Kentucky, on the other end of Kentucky, their tar did exactly like what ours did. And they lost control, and the van started flipping, and about four or five people were killed. Um, and it was definitely the hand of God, because I was cruising along about 75 mile an hour when that happened. And, uh, but, and I'm thankful for so many things. Uh, number one, I'm, I'm thankful I'm the one driving instead of uh, Cassie. She's also uh, on the insurance and licensed to, uh, uh, to drive a 15-passenger van. And, uh, but I had just set down a, uh, a cup where I was drinking, so I had both hands on, on the wheel. And, uh, man, it, that tar exploded and man it hit and here we went back and forth and almost took me into the other lane of traffic uh, and um, I knew what had happened and I told everybody on board I said well I said that doggone tar has uh, uh, <coughs> the uh, the tr tread and I want to we was coming up on a, uh, uh, an exit, and we, we had just passed the exit where you get off to go to Patty's. That's where we was at. And you got a lot of long stretch of territory in there late at night that's nothing around. And uh, I pulled off the next exit at a truck stop, and I wanted to look at it. And Brother Donald said, well, you know, we, we, he said, that thing is bald. He said, we ought to be able to make it on home, but... Uh, we got down there uh, uh, looking at it, and sure enough, all you could see was uh, the, the steel belt. And, uh, but it did some damage to the back corner of the van up under there where it hit when it come off like it did. But then noticed a bunch of liquid pouring out from behind. And I believe it was Brother Donald, because him and uh, Brother Douglas had gotten out too at the time. And uh, he said, is that gas? And I thought, oh, Lord, I hope that thing ain't knocked a hole in a gas tank. But I reached my hand under the fill of it, and uh, it wasn't gas. It was antifreeze. And then I remembered that van has got a rear heater core. And there's a metal line runs all the way down from the, from the front and hooks into that back there. And it had uh, uh, cut that off and messed it up. And we were losing all of our antifreeze, which gave us a double whammy. Uh, there had, we noticed at the time there was a, a spare underneath it. I didn't even know there was a spare on it. We've never, <laughs> uh, uh, we've never had to use one. And uh, somebody else came along, a young man, and uh, took a flashlight and crawled up under there and looking. And he said, "Well, he says I was going to give you all a pair of my vice grips." He said, "I thought if." Uh, that was a, a rubber hose where you could cramp, uh, uh, clamp it off and refill it up and be on your way. But he said, it's metal all the way. And um, he said, ah, there's nothing else I can do. And by that time, it had the, the spare on. And uh, 
So there we sat, and I, I had called three different places at the truck stop to give me for service, and nobody willing to come out to help nobody that time of night on Saturday night. Uh, and saying they couldn't get parts and all that, and uh, got to thinking, I, and uh, you know, that, that can't be metal all the way up. I said, that's got to transfer somewhere up there, and we took, uh, looked further behind the motor of taking the doghouse, and sure enough, I seen the supply lines, and I said, no, oh, thank the Lord, and I told him, I said, we're going to be able to get this thing on the road, and I went in there and bought a pair of vice grips, and, we, and between vice grips and duct tape, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, uh, we we made it. We made it. Finally made it. But um, uh, my eyes this uh, this morning, uh, I feel like I got sand in them. I hadn't felt this way back since I gave up welding. Brother Bobby knows what what that is to have your eyes burn. But that's what my eye. But mine's from lack of sleep. Uh, and um, but uh, uh, we just gotta praise God that everything worked out great. Amen. Hallelujah. And that van won't go nowhere else until we get a whole brand new set of tires. <laughs> I mean, but they look good anyway. I mean, they, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, if everybody remember, we had all the tires stolen from it while we was at FAC. We came in one morning, it was sitting on blocks. And Brother Dallas, I think, uh, and uh, found some tires already on the rim from so and they, they were you know, real good tread, like, you know, brand new, and that's what was on there. Uh, so uh, I guess it's time to do some replacing, I reckon. Uh, there will not be no uh, service uh, tonight, uh, uh, and we uh, uh, cancel tonight's service, uh, but I've, I've got something I want you to pray about, um, and uh, this is one reason why I decided to go ahead, because I know myself included, uh, is really ex exhausted, but and I won't be able to get no rest this evening because I'm going to have to be making some hospital visitation. I got a, I got a text early this morning from, uh, from Diane, and that is Brother Cochran's daughter. And uh, she said, I will, just want to let you know, Pastor, she said, my dad's not doing too good. said he is in uh, the hospital now, St. Thomas, uh, on 21st Avenue, I guess and that's that's got to be the old Baptist Hospital, uh, and that they uh, they did CAT scans on him, and they said they said that the tumor has spread all over his body. He's got tumors everywhere, and the doctors said that there's too many. They won't even try no kind of radiation or chemotherapy. There's just too many of them. So um, after we uh, have our uh, get together here. I'm, this afternoon, I'm going up to see him. We had planned on that, and, and I just had mentioned Saturday, Brother Paul was over our house, and I says, you know, yourself and Brother Wayne and I, we got to get over and visit Brother Cochran this week at his house, but uh, he's in the hospital now, so be much in prayer for him, uh, and uh, there's nothing impossible with God. Anybody beside me believe that? Hallelujah. I feel a heavy, strong anointing upon me today, and uh, before I get started, I want to let you know ahead of time, there's some people here today 
that God has placed in my spirit that you have some things in your life that needs to be revived. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe somebody's having some financial problems. You say, God, my finances need, need to be revived. Maybe it's a cold condition on God. Maybe you have gotten cold on God. But early this morning, God gave me this, not knowing who's going to be here today. And I really feel strong anointing. And I know that if you receive God's word, there's some people going to get something that's going to forever change their life today. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to take you to the book of Psalms, chapter 138, and read one verse, verse 7. Psalms 138 and verse 7. It's good, again, and others have already mentioned it, uh, amen, to have our, 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 our guest today, Brother Honey and his family. Uh, it's a beautiful adopted daughter there that uh, they have. We thank God for them today, praise the Lord. This is what the scripture reads. Though I walk in the midst of trouble... Thou wilt revive me. There's been no message of tongues given out, but I'm telling you, God is going to speak to somebody here today. Somebody is on the verge of receiving a miracle that you have desperately needed. Let me begin again. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou will revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Mighty God, as we come today, I stand here as nothing and nobody. I cannot do anything, Lord. I am unworthy. I find no confidence in myself. But I put it all in you today, and I'm asking God that you will let people hear your word and respond to your word today, not to me, but to your word today. In Jesus' name, let the church say, and you can be seated. I want to speak to you on a subject title for the next few minutes. When God says live, you can't die. Whew. 
When God says live, you can't die. Sister Ann is sitting here today. According to what some doctors say, she wouldn't be here today. But when God says live, I don't care what a doctor says, you can't die. When God looks down from his throne in glory, hallelujah, upon you and your situation, and he says live, there ain't nothing sickness can do about it. There ain't nothing the devil can do about it. Ain't nothing no man can do about it. Because when God says live, you can't die. Hallelujah. What got me is when I began to look down into this, what I, I thought I understood being an old revivalist myself and, and cut my teeth with my dad many years ago in tent revivals all over the South. I thought I understood the, the word revival to its fullest. But when I looked at it here in this particular instance and studied it down, the word revive in this text that I read in the original Hebrew scripture, it's very interesting because it broadens to the fullest extent of how Jehovah God responds to the struggles of his children when they are in trouble or when they're in need. <laughs> Glory to God. Woo! We seen that firsthand last night. Hallelujah. Glory. So let me give you the definition the full definition, Hebrew definition of this word revive. He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. To revive, it says to nurture up, to preserve, hallelujah, to quicken, to recover, to repair, to restore. Oh, and this is what I like the most, to declare alive. Oh, hallelujah. To declare alive. So David said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, now you're going to declare me alive. Hallelujah to God. And when God says live, you can't die. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. King David, who was the writer of the majority of the Psalms, not all, you'll find some of those Psalms was written. There was one particular, I think about Moses is in there. But the majority of the Psalms written by David, he knew well the conditions of walking through the desert or wilderness places. Amen. He knew all about wilderness. He knew all about the desert. He had spent his time there. And the lack of water and nourishment that you will find in a desert or a wilderness will wilt you down like a cut flyer in the sun, leaving you lifeless, ready for the vultures. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. But when God looks down on the scene and sees the hopelessness and distress of your situation, even though everyone else has declared you dead, God will revive you and declare you alive. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. And that makes the devil mad. And any 
anything the devil gets mad about, I get glad about. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I could have never been born because my, my father could have never lived to get married and have a family. Back in the 30s, late 20s and early 30s, my father contracted tuberculosis. Now, he was a good church member. He attended a big denominal church that's still standing out in Donaldson today, right on Donaldson Pike. He was a Sunday school teacher. But he said that himself, along with several others, they only went through the motions of religion. In fact, they had religion, but they didn't have a relationship with God. A lot of the Sunday school teachers would have a problem get to Sunday school on Sunday morning because they all been out partying so long on Saturday night, doing their drinking and everything else. Well, God has a way of getting your attention. Hallelujah. He can get your attention unlike anybody else. All of a sudden, in the prime of his life, he was struck down with tuberculosis. And back in the late 20s and the early 30s, there was nothing at all they could do for that. They would send people, put people in sanitariums, TB hospitals, and they sent my dad up somewhere in Ohio to a hospital up there. And they told his mama, says, when he returns to Nashville, he'll come back in a pine box. They put him on a ward with about 20 or 30 people all in beds in this long ward. Back then... They did not have regulations and laws like they do today, but Dad remembered the day that he walked in there, Brother Paul. At the very end of that ward, there was a small table set, and there was a bottle sitting on that table that looked like a bottle of cough syrup and a spoon there. And they told my daddy, and they told everybody that come in there, if your pain and your suffering gets more than you can bear, Take two tablespoons of that, go back to your bed, lay down, you'll go to sleep, and it'll all be over with. That's the condition he was in. And it was that place where God got his attention. And he began, there was an old oak tree out behind that hospital. He could barely make it. There was a little hill, small hill up to it. And he began to walk up there, and he would kneel down, and he began to pray. 
And he says, Lord, I've been going through the motions. I ha- I've, I've been calling myself a Christian, but I haven't lived a Christian life. And he asked God for forgiveness. And he says, Lord, if you will heal me and send me back home to my mama and my family. He said, I'll serve you. I'll live for you. He said, he went back to the hospital bed and lay down, not feeling nothing. He made that trip every day, Brother Randy, for 30 days. The 30th day was a bright Sunday morning. He said he got there and he didn't bend more hardly, had knelt down. He said something shot through him like something had been shot. He jumped up, began to shout and praise God. He knew God had healed him. He went back down, skipping down that hill, went right into the head doctor. There was only one train that left there a week, and that was on Wednesday. And that was Sunday, if you remember. And he, uh, he walked into the doctor. He says, Doc, he says, I'm going to be on that train when it leaves out of the station headed for Nashville this Wednesday. He said, that doctor with a smirkish grin kind of leaked back in his chair and adjusted his glasses. He said, well, I will tell you when you can leave here. He said, you go ahead, make x-rays, do what you want to do. But I'm tearing up on that little hill under that oak tree. God did something for me. And I know that I know that I am healed. I want you to know they begin to run the test and take the x-rays. And guess what? When that whistle blew on that old train on Wednesday headed south, my daddy was on it. Hallelujah. Because God, hallelujah, even though the doctor said you're going to die, God looked at him under that tree and God said live God said live and I'm here to tell you when God tells you to live you can't die when God tells you to live you can't die Woo! glory Hallelujah. When God says live, you can't die. I want to talk to you, number one, about a nation revived. A nation revived. And I find this, and this is a well-known story because I don't think there's a Pentecostal preacher alive who has not preached this at one time or the other. Ezekiel chapter 37. And I'm just going to read the first five verses. You can read the whole thing later if you want. But for the sake of time, I'm only going to read these first five. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which are full of bones and caused me to pass by them around about And behold, there was very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? 
I kind of like the way old Ezekiel answered that. He, did, he didn't want to put himself in the, it sounded like to me, he didn't want to come out and say, yes, Lord. He says, oh, Lord God, thou knowest. <laughs> Hallelujah. He, uh, he, he didn't come up and say, yeah, just, just plain outright, yeah, Lord. But he said, oh, Lord, you know. Hallelujah. Boy, the guy kind of sounded me. He didn't want to get in the corner. He couldn't get himself out of it. I don't know. Hallelujah. But that's the way he said it. He said, oh, Lord, he said, you know. Again, he said unto me, son of man, prophesy upon these bones and say to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter unto you, and ye shall live. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. If you remember from the opening text, David said when he quoted that, wrote that scripture, David said that uh, you will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of mine enemies. That was one thing God he said God would save him from. Well, I want you to know today, no nation or people under the face of this earth has had enemies just like Israel. Hallelujah. Many, many times they were down for the count, lying lifeless, waiting for the vultures to finish them off. Hallelujah. How many uh, tyrants in history has said, I'm going to wipe out the Jews? Uh, hallelujah. Glory to God. How many tyrants have said, I'm going to put all of the Jews in their grave, brother? I'm going to tell you, Hitler said that. He's in his grave. But the nation of Israel is alive and well. Woo, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Because many times the nation of Israel has been so um, close to death and so close to finish, they resembled a valley of dry bones. But when God says live, you can't die. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. God looked down. He looked down on the nation of Israel and he declared them alive. Such was the prophecy of Ezekiel. By the way, we've seen this prophecy in this day be fulfilled because on May the 15th in 1948, hallelujah, Israel became a nation again. And this the, the valley of dry bones came to life, brother, just like what Ezekiel prophesied. Hallelujah. Lord of God. Amen. How many? Now we got, we got the Muslims and we got everybody looking at Israel, saying, you're going to die. You ain't going to be no more. Hallelujah. You're going to be destroyed. But guess what? God keeps looking at Israel. He keeps saying, live. And I don't care who it is. I don't care if it is the president of this nation or who it may be. Israel's going to live. Because when God says live, you can't die. No glory. But what is the, the point to that, uh, Brother Ricky, to us? What does that mean to me today? Well, let me tell you, if God can say live to a whole country and nation of people and keep a whole nation of people alive, what, did you what do you think he can do to your situation? 
It don't matter what your situation is. Maybe, maybe your finances are in the toilet. Maybe you're in the toilet. But when God looks down upon you and say, Live, can't nobody flush that toilet. <laughs> oh, glory! Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We got people in this room today that a doctor's prognosis given to you can make you say, well, I'm not going to be around much longer. But you brought your petition before God. And God looked at you. And he loved you. And God says, live. And you know what the results? You're sitting here listening to this old preacher boy today because God said, live. Hallelujah. Man didn't have nothing to do with it. It was all God. It was all cool. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've got to, I've got to finish. Let me, let me give you to my second and final point. I want to talk a little bit about a rotten corpse. A rotten corpse. That's rotten. Rotten away. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Something's fixing to happen in this house. Something's fixing to happen. Don't. Hallelujah. I want to go to John chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Before I continue reading, I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus looks at your need and your situation, he gets troubled about it. He's concerned about you. Hallelujah. He's concerned about your needs. In fact, everybody in here today, including this preacher, God has been much better to us than we've ever been to him. God treats you better than you treat yourself. Hallelujah. And he said, where have you laid him? We're talking about Lazarus. You probably know that by now. They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The shortest scripture in the whole Bible. I'm going to tell you something. We need to start weeping to God over this nation. Over everything that's happening. We need to be weeping. We need to be like Jesus and start weeping. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave. And a stone lay against it. 
Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. He's stinking. He's been dead four days. Decay has set in. There's a reason why when somebody passes away, they don't keep him out no more than three days. They get him sort of buried because by the fourth day, that body is going to really begin to decay. Jesus said to her, did I, not, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they, looked, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. That rotten corpse. <laughs> and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me because of the people who are standing by. I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he, who was stinking rotten, something happened real quick. <laughs> What's that old Southern Gospel song, Brother Travis? Something's going on in the graveyard. This ain't nothing about them ghosts down in Savannah, sister. Glory. <laughs> he who had been dead came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Now I studied how the Jews buried people. They wrapped them up tight. Just like that they put Jesus in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes is the, way, the same way that they buried people. They wrapped their bodies tight. If Lazarus come out of that tomb, Brother Paul, with his hands and feet bound, there's only one way he could have come out. He come out levitated. He come out floating. Had to. There's no way he could be walking. Because after he come out, he said to them, loose him and let him go. <laughs> Glory to God. When God says live, you can't die. <laughs> It might have been four days already, hallelujah. But when God says live, you can't die. Now, I'm going to finish up by telling you right now, amen, you can see, amen, through the course of this, of this message, God has been moving upon various people. The God, amen, there are people that's come into the sanctuary, amen, you've been up against it, amen, in one way or the other, hallelujah, amen, maybe there's been some, 
evil reports brought your way. Somebody has declared, well, this is going to happen. Maybe somebody's declared you're going bankrupt. Maybe the doctor's declared that you've got this, or they found that. Or maybe, amen, you just have gotten cold, amen, in the Lord. Hallelujah. And you're about ready to die. And the vultures, Lord, they got a hovering over you. Lord, they got in you. Wonder, am I ever going to get out of this? I'm here to tell you. God is looking down upon you right here, right now. And God is saying, Live. Whatever your situation, God is saying, Live. 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 Hallelujah. There's a verse. Amen. That we have used and quoted for years when somebody is a bleeding and hemorrhaging. If you quote that scripture, hallelujah, the blood will stop. I know it because I have seen it happen. He said, When I passed by and saw you washed in your blood, I say unto they live. Live. I'm telling somebody in Jesus' name right now to live right now. Lord God, walk out of your circumstances. Everybody stand to your feet. They're going to put on a song that I told, I looked up and told them to put this on. And if you have heard the word now, I don't care what your situation is. There's an atmosphere in this place. God's going to work some miracles. And if you obey God, I promise you, you won't leave here the same. Hallelujah. You come and talk to the Lord. Go ahead and start playing it. Hallelujah. Listen to the words of the song. Hallelujah.